Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Hi, welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm Dr. Tanisha Wards with Infinity Wellness Center, and I'm your guest host today. Joining me today is Dr. Amanda Massey, sports chiropractor and myofascial specialist who treats humans and animals. Dr. Massey, thank you so much for being here. I've had the great pleasure of working with you as an office mate for about three years now, and you have an amazing story of how you got into chiropractic, why you're so passionate about neck and back injuries, and and why you can help people heal without the use of drugs and surgery. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, from the beginning, how it started and why, why you love what you do so much? Awesome. Thank you for having me. This is great. This is my first podcast ever. I'm really excited. Yay! <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I started my chiropractic journey when I was in high school. Um, my whole family, we trained horses and played polo and did a lot of horse activities. And so I was training this young horse, and the horse took off with me. And I ended up getting run into a tree, and I flipped over and landed flat on my back. And that compression from the fall ended up causing a minor fracture in my in my back. So and your back was broken. Yes. So I had, had a broken back. Oh, wow. And it was really tough to see, required an MRI to be able to see it. But luckily it was a stable fracture. It didn't require surgery. But I went to physical therapy. The orthopedic prescribed me a lot of opiates. And mm. I ended up getting addicted to these opiate drugs and started becoming really depressed. And as a 16-year-old, I couldn't exercise without pain, and I really couldn't do anything without taking the pain pills. And so it really affected my brain chemistry and my ability to function. And so it got to the point where I was actually suicidal. Oh, wow. Really bad. And to the point where my parents intervened and said, hey, we got to do something about this. And so... They recommend they got a recommendation from someone at our church to go to this chiropractor, and I went in and saw the chiropractor several times. He started doing a lot of um, myofascial techniques, a lot of adjustments, and also started me on something called the standard process mm. detox, which is something that we use in our office all the time. But I did that, and it was amazing because within that time frame, not only did I get off of the pain medicine, I was able to start working out with my school athletic team again and riding horses within about three months time. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty great. So weren't you told that you wouldn't be able to play polo again on a horse? Um, the orthopedic did not recommend it. Yeah. So that and was not recommended. You went on to play in college, right? You're I did. a college athlete. Yeah. So I played at Texas A&M and we were, um, national runner-ups every year while we were there, and um, it was a great experience. And then while I was in college, that was when I decided I wanted to become a chiropractor because I was pre-med, and I loved animals, I loved people, and I wanted to be able to help people and animals, and I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to do that uh, until I met my chiropractor from college, and she 
was able to, she adjusted animals and people. That's awesome. And she still had this amazing, she had this amazing life. And I just thought, wow, I want to be like her. Now you've got, you should definitely tell her that someday, if you haven't already, that you are like her now helping people and animals every day. Now you've also got an amazing story with um, a chiropractic miracle with a hip injury, right? With a horse. Yes. So before I became a believer in chiropractic, uh, one of our horses was injured and had a hip injury. A lot of times in polo, they'll take hits from other horses, kind of like in football. They'll get shoulder-to-shoulder hits, and that can throw their shoulders and throw their hips out of alignment. And so when you have a misalignment like that, that is that severe, the muscle sometimes can even be damaged or torn. And if you have any soft tissue damage, it's going to take a long time to heal, if ever. And so we weren't th- we were thinking the vet, or we were thinking the horse was not going to be able to heal. Mm. And the vet recommended we use a chiropractor. And so this chiropractor was able to adjust the horse about three times over the course of six months. And we were able to play polo on her again. She was able to be sound and athletic. And the injury healed really quickly considering um, how bad she had been. Now, you see animals and people today. Correct. That's amazing. So, yeah, that has been, I have my dream job, um, (laughs) working at Infinity Wellness Center part-time and then also adjusting animals in the other part of my week. And so that's been the best. And would you say that you see a lot of people now with injuries similar to yours? Or I know that you see a lot of wellness patients, and we'll definitely talk about the difference maybe for chiropractic and wellness and injuries, but would you say you see a lot of low back, neck injuries? Yes. Um, I think it's pretty well known now in the South Austin community that I have the ability to help people recover from an injury in half the time of what it normally takes for a soft tissue injury to heal. A lot of times, strain sprain injury, traditionally, according to medical books, takes four to six weeks to heal. And with some of the methods that I use, um, cold laser therapy, myofascial techniques, KT taping adjustments, um, very gentle post-isometric resistance exercises, those types of things can help an injury heal in two to three weeks if it's muscular. So those are a lot of big words. (laughs) Some of our listeners may not know what all those are. Will you break that down for us? Like, what is a cold laser? How is that different than a laser that they might, like, cut you with? And then would you tell us what what myofascial um, work is exactly? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a cold laser is a class three laser, and it is not going to feel like anything, it penetrates below the surface of the skin by about two or three inches. Sometimes you'll feel a pulse, but it's basically a pulsed invisible light. Okay. And it doesn't create heat or burning or anything like that. But what it does is it stimulates the cell, the soft tissue cell that's injured, to regenerate and make make new cells. Wow. And so that's the cool thing about it. So it's incredible for healing. And so what kind of injuries do you use that on? Can you use that all over the body? Anytime there's swelling present, I use it. Anytime there's a bruise, anytime there's some nerve damage or, or potential for nerve damage, I use it. 
herniated okay. discs. Oh my gosh. So a lot of people have neck and back injuries that are serious. It's because of a herniated disc that's putting pressure on the nerve. Um, and that creates numbness, tingling, sharp shooting pain, debilitating uh, range of motion deficits. So what, w- could you describe what a herniated disc is? Okay, so a herniated disc is a disc, discs are like squishy jello type material, kind of like, cart- they're, cartilat- they're cartilage. Uh-huh. Um, and so... And they're like, um, I've, I've heard the analogy of they're like a brake pad, like they, they, ca- they give cushion between the bones. Yes, it's a shock absorber. That's okay. the whole purpose of the disc is a shock absorber, just like your meniscus and your knee, um... It's squishy, and it fills up with fluid, and that fluid, as you age, starts to slowly leave the disc, and so the disc gets Mm -hmm. smaller, and so you start to lose some of your cushion. That's why people shrink when they get older, right? Because their discs are losing some of their fluid? Yes. So that's typically um, what happens is as you get older, your disc height starts to go down. Your body is trying to adapt to that stress, and then if the disc... If the muscles and the ligaments around the the disc are loose or weak in any way. From an injury or just from life? Or? Sometimes from life. Sometimes uh-huh. A lot of times it's from, like, people who are really athletic. Then they take a few years of just, like, being a mom or working at a desk job, and they're not using their mm. core muscles for a set period of time, or if they've had an injury, they're coming back from an injury, they're trying to work out, Mm -hmm. they can injure themselves because their core is not turned on or activated properly, and then that disc will just move. And when Mm -hmm. it moves, and sometimes the disc material will squish out, it puts pressure on the nerve that's coming The spinal cord, Yeah, the spinal cord or the nerve root. Uh Uh-huh. Most of the cases, it's the nerve root, which is totally treatable with chiropractic care and conservative treatments. Um, Once the spinal cord is involved, that's a pretty serious injury, and that's usually more of an orthopedic solution. So many people are walking around with that kind of tingling numbness, and so it starts in the back and usually goes down a leg or it starts in the neck and goes down an arm. People think they just have to live with that, but you can help move that disc off those nerve roots. Typically, you can um, traction the neck or the back in a way mm-hmm. that helps take a lot of that pressure off. And also, decreasing the inflammation around the nerve is huge. And so that's why I wanted to come work with you originally was because <laughs> I loved your approach to functional nutrition. And that is perfect for sports medicine because you have to use a holistic approach to get people well fast. Yes. So, yeah. So tell us some of the things you do to get inflammation down. Do you talk to them about food, diet, nutrition, we always We always have a talk about food because your diet is so important for how well you're going to heal from an injury. Yeah. Even if you're a wellness patient and you have a chronic issue that comes up here and there, mm-hmm. you have to be conscious of what you're putting in your body because... If you're not putting in the tools you need to recover from your workouts, you're not going to recover fast, and you're going to yeah. be very sore, and you're putting yourself at risk for injuring yourself. And so I like to definitely have the food conversation. I try to treat people with 
food more so than other things, but there's also a lot of great supplements that are anti-inflammatory, um, like fish oil or DHA um, is a excellent anti-inflammatory, especially for the nervous system, the eyes, mm-hmm. all of your joints, because it helps you make collagen. What if you had to give us what are what are Dr. Massey's top five anti-inflammatory nutrients? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, <laughs> top five anti-inflammatory nutrients um, would be fish oil, turmeric, ginger. I love magnesium. That's more of a mineral than a nutrient, but I'm counting it. Mm-hmm. And um, bone broth, collagen. Yeah. That yeah. will do a whole lot of rebuilding. Totally. Okay, so those are nutrients and supplements people should take, the top five. If you had to say, what are the top five foods that help lower inflammation and help you recover from an injury, what foods would you tell people to start increasing in their diet? Oh, that's so much fun. I love um, <laughs> papaya, mm. pineapple. Because of the bromelain in it? Yeah. That's really anti-inflammatory. Good one. See, people people eat that kind of stuff. Like, if you're not telling them liver. Like, that pineapple and papaya are fun to eat. Pineapple and papaya are so much fun to eat. And if you think about it, like, that's a great snack for your kids on the sidelines yeah. of soccer games. Because oh, everybody's, yeah. like, giving people oranges. And oranges are great because there's sugar and vitamin C. And you need to, like, keep your glucose stores in check when you're running around. But... Man, pineapple and papaya have a lot more enzymes that help your body recover faster. I'm going to um, remember that for when my now four-year-old someday gets into sports. Okay, so pineapple, papaya. Yeah, pineapple, papaya. I love blueberries because they have a lot of antioxidants. Turmeric, ginger, and garlic. So I have six. So just how – so if someone wanted – this is a good one. If someone wanted to add turmeric to their diet and not take it in a supplement – how would you tell them to do that? Would you tell them the golden milk? Would you tell them to cook with it? What would you do? So Put it in a smoothie? Typically, I tell people to go buy the turmeric roots from either like Sprouts, Whole Foods, the grocery store, um, and put it in a juicer. Uh-huh. And then juice it. Ooh. And then you can juice it with ginger, throw some black pepper in there, cinnamon, anything that's kind of spicy because you need it. It's a thermogenic herb or spice, you've mm-hmm. got to have some spice with it for it to dilate the capillaries and get into your bloodstream quickly. Yum. Yeah, that so. sounds good. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash truth where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash P-S-Y-C-H-E-T-R-U-T-H. You mentioned earlier myofascial work. Can you elaborate on that? Because I don't, I don't know that everybody knows what the fascia of the body is. Can you explain what that is compared to musculature? Okay. Is musculature a word? Yes. Musculature is totally a word. Okay. So um, fascia is actually the covering over the muscles and over your nerves and all your soft tissues. So fascia... So it's between the skin and the muscles. Yes. Yeah, so if, uh-huh. okay, if you're going to cut open a chicken and 
you'll peel the skin off. There's that little white layer over the muscle. It's kind of iridescent, sheathy looking. Yes, that's mm-hmm. fascia. It's all throughout your body. And so what's really interesting is how much it influences your lymphatic system. Mm. And so it's not just fascial, it's also lymph, because that is the layer through which lymph filters out your blood and helps clean your system. Gets rid of inflammation through the lymph and toxins and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so there's a lot of health benefits. It's like your cleaning system. It is. It's your cleaning system. And it's, it's so important because it's all underneath your skin. And so people tend to... That's why people benefit so much from massage, because mm-hmm. you're impacting the muscles, you're impacting the fascia, you're impacting the lymph system. It's incredible. So when I'm working on the fascia, I use my hands, but I also use tools to correct distortions, which are basically areas where the fascia has been folded or is kinked or is herniated through another tissue in the body. Um, there's also adhesions sometimes or mineral deposits that get stuck in the fascia and then it can stick to other muscles. And so I've had people that have frozen shoulder, which is adhesive capsulitis. And that's basically where the fascia of your rotator cuff, all the rotator cuff muscles get stuck together and then you can't lift your arm over your head. Or when you do, it hurts like hell because your the nerve <laughs> is just getting stuck in there. Now, you've had good success with shoulders, right? You can unstuck a frozen shoulder with these techniques pretty fast, right? Yes. Depending on what's going on with the shoulder, it can take between five to eight treatments, typically. Where people sometimes go and get surgery for that. I mean, they they sometimes, or they just think, my shoulder's going to be immobilized forever. Could you give us an example of a patient with a frozen frozen shoulder and how you've used fascial work? And The fascial work that I do is pinpointed directly where the injury occurs. And so I'm looking at the person's body language when I'm taking their history and when I am mm. examining them. And so based on their body language and how they present, where they have um, deficiencies in their range of motion, that shows me exactly where I need to work and how the fascia has changed and where it's distorted. And so that's the technique I use to really pinpoint where the problem is. And that's why I can help people in such a short amount of time. And you mentioned shoulder. Do you have, have you had any patients come in with a frozen shoulder? Because I know sometimes people have to go to surgery for that and, and you can you can correct it pretty quickly, right, with the techniques that you put together. Mm-hmm. I've had a few patients with frozen shoulder. One of the ones that comes to mind first is a lady who had had breast cancer, and she had had a mastectomy, double mastectomy. And so there was a lot of scar tissue, mm. adhesions, uh, serious lymphedema issues going on. And so she was a special case because I had to be very gentle with my fascial techniques. A lot of times people think that my fascial work is painful and Mm, that mm -hmm. it's going to be extremely painful, which sometimes it is, but it also can be extremely therapeutic. And even in special cases with people who have um, lymph issues, this 
technique worked really well to get her shoulder back to where she could move it over her head again. She was back to water aerobics, and she was oh, wow. doing pretty well within about four months' time. It did take me longer to get her shoulder better because of her special circumstances. But, um, yeah, that was one person that did really well. And I used something called an activator, which is a tool that chiropractors use to adjust people in a gentle way that sends quick impulses into the muscle. And those impulses send a message to the brain, basically helping to um, activate and inhibit certain muscles in order for the shoulder to move properly again. Okay. So it's pretty cool because for people that are not able to handle a um, manual type chiropractic adjustment and they need a gentle technique, it's still Uh effective for helping realign their nervous system. Manual manual meaning using your hands. Correct. Yes. So a lot of chiropractors, including myself, use our hands to adjust people. And so we'll find where the subluxation is, which is the area of the spine or area of another joint that's restricted in movement. Mm -hmm. And where that restriction is, we'll be able to release that restriction by putting it into a new position, basically. Using your hands or a different tool. Correct. Yep. Got it. And that restores nerve flow and function and um, range of motion and mobility to the joint space. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And it makes sure that the nerve is communicating effectively to the adjacent structures. So that's where the adjusting part is so important for people with frozen shoulder because nine times out of 10, those people have trouble with their neck Mm. or they have lost some of the curvature in their neck. So they have a lot of stress on the C5, C6, C7 vertebra, which is what forms your brachial plexus, which is all the nerves that communicate to your shoulder muscles. So a lot of practitioners will just look at the shoulder, right? They're not looking at all the nerves come down the brainstem, down the spine, out to the shoulder, right? So if you're just rehabbing the shoulder or just doing surgery on the shoulder but missing that piece of the neck... Problems you, could still be there. Do you think they ever really can heal that frozen frozen shoulder? That's where people say, oh, I had frozen shoulder. My shoulder has never been the same. I don't quite have the same range of motion again because they haven't addressed everything as a body as a whole of where the problem's coming from. That's possible. Yep, very possible. And even nutritionally, too, or psychologically, can have an impact on frozen shoulder because I've had a patient that... Ooh, let's talk about that. Yeah. The, the mind-body connection. Yes. I love that in chiropractic. Something I didn't believe in when I was a youth pre-med <laughs> student at Texas A&M was the mind-body connection. And Well, we're the only country in the world that separates the mind from the body. Yeah. Like, really? Let that sink in. We're the only country in the world that you go to your regular doctor's appointment and you have a physical ailment that they don't also look at what's going on in your life. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Every Um, other country connects that. With this patient, actually with two patients that I've had, frozen shoulder, they were both older women who had been widowed. Wow. And so they were grieving and they had a lot of grief that they were dealing with. And so that impacted their shoulder in a subconscious way. And so part of the process that we go through when we release these muscles in the shoulder is I'm usually pretty conscious of trying to talk to them and just listen to them share their story. And in time, a lot of times their stories will come out and 
that's part of the healing process as well, which is pretty amazing. And I didn't, I never realized how important it is to feel comfortable sharing your story and releasing some of those subconscious yeah. elements while you're dealing with an injury. That makes perfect sense. What comes to mind when you said that was people going through something very stressful or a loss, they have feel like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Mm, yeah. Not a lot of practitioners allow time for that or allow the space for that. So that's that's huge. I think that could be inhibiting people's healing. Yeah, I think that's one asset we have in our practice that I love is having the ability to take that time with our patients and really spend the time talking them through something or being that like sounding board with people. And I think that uh, that's really impactful for healing. Absolutely. So if somebody hasn't had a trauma or hasn't had a major injury, but they're coming in with neck pain, back pain, do you contribute it to a lot of sitting at a desk or computers or cell phones? What are you seeing? How are you seeing that affect the spine? Oh my gosh. Cell phones, computer screens, driving in the car. Because a lot of people, like some of my most stressed out people in the world are moms with kids and they're busting their kids around all day. <laughs> they're literally chauffeurs driving a car. And you think like, oh, well, a truck driver is going to have a bad back. So are these soccer moms driving yeah. their kids around. In Austin traffic. In Austin traffic. <laughs> the stress yes. level's got to be really high. <laughs> <sighs> yes. So I find that a lot of people don't sit properly in their cars. Mm. And I see a very common subluxation pattern in the pelvis where your right hip flexor is typically tight because you're constantly using the gas pedal, brake pedal, mm. gas pedal, brake pedal. And so that can shift all of your alignment out, just that one thing. And so I tell people to be very conscious of how they sit in their cars, making sure their seat is up high enough or low enough. If you're a little lady, get a booster seat. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you're driving this huge SUV, right, and you're a little lady, you probably need a booster seat. Yeah, You're not very close to the pedals in a big car. That's funny. Totally. They sell those. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or how about lumbar support, something, you know, in the car. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something that I think is big is we're all driving our cars here in the U.S. everywhere. On the weekends, we drive six hours. It's no big deal, especially in Texas. I mean, gosh, to get across Texas. It's, yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's like driving across Europe. No one in Europe does that. They take the train. Oh, um, a good point. And yeah. so, anyways, we're driving our cars a lot, and we're also on our phones, mm-hmm. which creates this micro looking down and st- yeah, there's something called creep. Did you guys study about creep? Creep is a it's a theory that when you hold a position for a certain amount of time, all the soft tissues are going to stay in mm. a position or going to adjust to that one place. And so it creates a pattern. So people hunched over their computer screen are going to have a hard time. So what do you do for somebody that comes in with, I know, text neck has been, you know, termed, an ailment now. What do you do with somebody who's putting this constant micro stress, causing micro traumas on their spine, and they're stuck in these positions? And we can't completely eliminate driving and texting and mm-hmm. computers from our life because that's our it's our that's, world. It's our world now. And so, what I try to do is I teach people how to adapt to these stresses better. So, one, I'll always address the current issue with their structure. So, if they have 
misalignments in their spine. Mm -hmm. They have restrictions in their movement patterns. They have fascial restrictions. We always address that first. But once you address it, the pain usually goes away, but that doesn't mean the problem isn't still there. And so if they're still going back into the environment, they need they have to constant use, care. Yeah, they have to use exercise uh-huh. and specific tools to help them stay in alignment and to continue down that path and stay in that wellness path. And so a lot of times foam rolling is a big part of that. Mm. Um, that's one really good tool that I recommend to a lot of people. And, of course, I make an exercise plan that's individu- individualized for every person. Oh, okay. To help their injury or their ailment or pain or whatever. Mm-hmm. Correct. So I know you see a lot of people with injuries, and they're kind of in crisis mode, and you're able to get them out of pain pretty quick, you said. What do you do after they're out of pain? What do you do to stabilize them, to maintain them? What's, what's kind of your course of action for wellness? Typically with these types of people that have had an injury, that their body is programmed to send emergency nutrients to that place mm. for the rest of their life because their body thinks that's a weak spot. Really? And so if you have a weak spot, you're going to... It's going to come back unless you maintain it. And so a lot of times I recommend that people still see me um, every four to six weeks, even when they're not in pain, just so that we can go take a Mm. look at their weak spots, make sure that it's still in balance, make sure there's no adhesions there, and correct the alignment there with chiropractic adjustments so that the nervous system is firing correctly through that pathway. And why is it so important? I, I... I talk about this too in practice. Why is it so important that the nervous system is firing correctly? What all does a nervous system do? So the nervous system starts with your brain. Mm-hmm. And then the brain connects to your spinal cord. And then out of your spinal cord come all of your nerves. that communicate to every organ, every muscle, every bone, all of your skin, Ligaments. everything. Yeah, the nervous system. connected to the nervous system. It makes your heartbeat, your lungs, everything. I don't think we realize how important it is to maintain proper nervous system flow. Um, In practice, have you had anybody with, like, asthma or gut issues and things that you've seen change keeping the nervous system in place? Man, um, I have seen that for sure. But one of the coolest things that I've seen recently is a lot of people are sympathetic dominant. What does that mean? Okay, so we have parasympathetic nervous system and sympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight. We are in an emergency. We're starving. We're running. We've got to survive. We're running from the bear. Survive, survive, survive. Parasympathetic nervous system is rest, digest, have babies, just chill. And so we're constantly (laughs) supposed, we're actually supposed to be more in the parasympathetic than sympathetic. But because of our society today, we are chasing and hustling and pushing all the time. Absolutely. And so people that have a lot of sympathetic dominance and are very stressed out, their blood pressure goes up, their eyes become dilated and are not reactive to light as well. And so sometimes mm. their pupil, pupillary reflex will be off. And um, 
they'll feel almost like they're trembling. They have so much endorphins and norepinephrine, epinephrine, just like zing through their body. I've been there as yeah. a mom, as a business owner. Absolutely. We've got 20 things to do in two hours. And yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, ah. So what does that do to your nerves, to your organs, to your tissues, to your muscles? What does that do to us when we're staying in this sympathetic dominance that we're not supposed to be in, right? We're supposed to be in it if we are being chased from a bear to run to safety or, you know, we are in a fight or flight situation. But now a lot of people's bears and tigers are their bosses, you know, their spouses, even their children. People are running from their children's stress, right? Mortgage companies, IRS, like all of it. So yeah, what, what effect does that have on us? What are you seeing happen? Well, the first thing it does is it shunts all your blood from your sex organs to your extremities so that you can survive and fight. Yeah. And so that's usually where you see it first as people... Can't get pregnant because they're in fight or flight even. Yeah, they have infertility issues, yeah. low sex drive, depression, low anxiety. Digestion issues. Oh, yeah. They don't make st- stomach acid. Because so. your body's not going to try to digest, you know, nuts and berries and protein when it, and so you aren't stopping for bowel movements when you're trying to run from a bear. Oh, yeah, constipation <laughs> is a huge thing because you can't, you can't poop unless you want to, <laughs> like, you can't relax yeah. enough to do that if you're in sympathetic dominance. And so the cool thing about chiropractic is just by adjusting someone's neck and their sacrum area, because those are where all the parasympathetic nerves are. Because para means around, so it's around the sympathetic the inner nerves, yep. Mm-hmm. Just by targeting those specific nerves, you can drop someone's blood pressure and influence how they adapt to stress. That's why in people walk out of way. your room <sighs> in a different enlightened <laughs> state. They come in <sighs> and then walk out, yeah, <sighs> love yeah, it. I love that. Love it. So you mentioned the nerves in the cranium area, the head, and you mentioned the nerves near the sacral, the t- tailbone. Do you practice cranial sacral technique? I know that's a technique that is in chiropractic, is in massage, that can work on those nerves. So there's many different ways to practice cranial sacral technique. Um, the way that I practice it is more of just an add-on to the adjustment, and so it's uh-huh. more of balancing the nervous system from an energetic standpoint but also helping their cranial bones move back into alignment. So a lot of times Mm. we have a lot of nerves in our face and our jaw, and those can be influenced as well. And so you have to use real gentle techniques just to help encourage your cranial bones to move. I think people should should do this weekly that are in high-stress states, right, just to bring them down and let their body function properly. Yes, and also part of craniosacral is engaging your breath. Mm. And so using your diaphragm to stimulate your vagus nerve is a huge part of it. So teaching people how to breathe is Mm. a lot of the stuff that I do with my craniosacral work. I think people don't breathe enough, right? Like we're constantly not stopping and taking a deep breath, and that can alone be so healing, just taking a big, deep breath and putting your, you can put yourself into, you know, a more rest and digest place by just breathing. Taking a deep breath, holding it, and then releasing it and doing two or three of those, you can actually release 
pain points, muscles. Mm. It's a great technique that you can use yourself to help yourself in a stressful situation or when you're feeling something tense up. How long would you breathe in? How long would you hold it? And how long would you exhale? So it depends on the person. But typically I start people on a four-count breath. So Uh breathe in, count to four, hold it for one to two seconds. So one to two counts, then exhale, four-count. Hold for two seconds, breathe in. That's why I love swimming. So I don't know Mm. if Tanisha told you guys, but... um, I used to be a swimmer. I'm still a pretty avid swimmer. And um, when you're swimming, you have to count your strokes before you breathe. So you'll, Mm -hmm. if you want to do a long distance swim, you're going to want to do at least five strokes before you breathe so that you can conserve your energy and get a good glide in between strokes. You're not going fast, but you're conserving energy and using a lot of glide with your stroke versus Well, if you're going sprinting, you're just not going to breathe. You just don't breathe, head down, (laughs) go as fast as you can. That's how people are living in life right now. (laughs) That's that's why we're having problems and injuries. And I think all that makes people more susceptible to injuries versus this breath work you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good way to uh, compare it, I would say. Yeah. So instead, tell us, yeah, how you should breathe. Oh, okay. So... The breathing part, a lot of times you have to breathe. If you're stressed and you're feeling anxious, one of the best ways to breathe is to breathe in through your nose and really open up your ribs. So start opening up your chest, opening up the ribs, go all the way down to the belly. If you don't feel your belly button push out with the breath, you're not breathing deep enough. You want to fully expand the diaphragm. It can take four seconds. It can take six seconds, but... All the way. And then hold. And then slowly exhale. If you exhale too fast and then you inhale too fast, you'll start hyperventilating. Oh, that is not that. what we want. <laughs> that is not going to help you um, get more parasympathetic stimulation. But really and truly expanding the diaphragm, expanding the rib cage, is the key to fully oxygenating your lungs and all your blood. And that's just going to help you think better. You're going to get a clear, a breath of clarity when you do something like that. That's great advice for the healing process with injuries. I love it. That's a great tip. The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv, a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv. So you mentioned exercises might be part of something you do with a treatment with somebody for an injury. Is that something you do in the office with them? And what is that? Okay. So one of the the post-isometric resistance exercises that I'm doing are in the office. And it's with the patient that's had an injury that is causing range of motion to be restricted. Okay. And so for someone that has had like a surgery, for example, they have a lot of scar tissue uh-huh. and they need to be able to move that joint 
And so something I use is a compression band, a compression floss, and I'll wrap the joint and then we'll move the joint into all the different pl planes of motion, but I'll provide some resistance. So similar to muscle testing, it's like a 10% resistance to okay. maximum what they could do with their muscle. That's just enough to fire that muscle and activate it so it sends a message to the brain and helps get them more range of motion just by activating the muscle. And it will help them heal then, too. The yes. brain's now communicating with that muscle. Yeah, so then after you're done doing that exercise, which can be uncomfortable, they get more range of motion and they have better balance mm. on that joint, especially if it's a knee or an ankle, which is really important to help fire up some of these muscles that have been inhibited or are weak because a lot of people with injuries or postural problems it's because there's a muscle imbalance going on. And so this will help rebalance the muscle structure. Got it. I've also seen patients walk out of your room with that really cool tape, right? Like in the last couple of years, everybody wants to be taped. Tell me what that is. What are you doing that for? So kinesiology tape is a great tool to help stabilize people between adjustments. And so what I do is if anyone's had an injury or they still have pain after their adjustment or they have an issue with the fascia or a lot of swelling. The mm -hmm. tape is a um, neuromuscular re-education tool that you can put on their body at a certain stretch and the stretch activates mechanoreceptors to help hold that position. It also can inhibit or activate muscles. So if you want to activate a muscle, you're going to tape them from the origin to insertion. So the versus, whole length of the muscle. Yes. Versus if you want to inhibit the muscle, you'll tape it the opposite way. And so for people that oh. have tears, like I've had a few people tear their groin, really uncomfortable. You don't yeah. want to activate your adductor muscles of the leg when you have a tear. You want to inhibit it, let it heal for a couple of weeks, then go in there and start working on it. But, um, so this is information why people should not just go buy the tape and start ta taping themselves up. They could be doing the opposite of what the muscle needs for the healing process. You can. And if you do it wrong, <laughs> you'll definitely know because it's not going to feel good if you do it wrong. It but, should feel good. It should make the injury less intense. Yes. Okay. Also, the way the tape works, which is really cool, it acts as a decoy and kind of tricks your brain into thinking that there's no pain there. Mm. And so when you have something on your skin that's pulling the skin. Like neurosensory kind of thing. Exactly. It doesn't numb you, but it The brain's sends, like turned on to it kind of. It's kind of like if you tap tap your hand or rub your hand after you've hit it with a uh -huh. like with the hammer. <laughs> yes. You rub it. And you're, you stop feeling the pain from where you hit it. Yeah. Because the rubbing distracts your brain from Got the pain it. of being hit. Yes. So it's kind of like that. That's why we grab our self when we get hit. Yeah, you get hold yourself. Hit. Yeah. And it's the Got same it. thing. The tape kind of holds you in place and holds it. And it masks the pain. I just learned something new about the tape. It doesn't just look cool and athletic. <laughs> yeah, so that's the other benefit of the tape. And, and it helps with lymphatic drainage too, right, for swelling. So that's the third way the tape is effective is if you put it on an area with a lot of swelling, it lifts the skin 
away from the muscle and allows a bigger pressure differential. So more lymph fluid can flow back to the bloodstream through the venous system. So that's how a lot of those things combined is how you can cut the healing time down so fast. That's awesome. Yeah, we're doing a lot to keep the blood flow moving in those injured areas. So what's your favorite color tape? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen everything from camouflage to hot pink to... Yeah, man, I really like blue. Yeah. Blue and pink are my faves. But (laughs) we have black and neutral in our office because all of our patients don't like to show off their tape (laughs) as much as I do. But um, (laughs) Love it. Yeah. That's great. The really fun part is when people um, have weddings this summer, and it's like, oh, I have a wedding. It's like, okay, we're going to have to be creative here. (laughs) Take the tape off or hide the tape. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's really funny. So you mentioned with your history, with your back injury, that you were put on opiates. I mean, opiates have become a crisis in this country. I mean, really, so many people are addicted to them, and that's usually the first line of defense when you go into the doctor with a back or a neck injury or neck pain, but there there are other ways to heal this without having to just, you know, numb the pain and hope the body heals itself, you know, if it's not given the right nutrients and the right tools. Um, and I know that's usually the first thing if you go back, go into the doctor with a low back injury, whether it's work-related or not, you know, you get opiates. So do you see a lot of low back injuries in your office and, and kind of what's your approach with those? Yeah, I see a lot of low back injuries, a lot of sciatic pain, a oh, lot yeah. of people that have sciatica, which is basically it starts in the low back and then the pain starts to radiate down into the butt, down to the hip, down past the knee, sometimes even into the foot. Mm. And so when you have screaming, aching foot pain, you want to cut your leg off, that's typically like the worst type of sciatic pain. Ouch. And so something that I do in my office that has been extremely beneficial to me because I have also experienced this kind of sciatic pain is something called flexion distraction, which is a table that has a mechanism in it that helps stretch your spine. And what it does when it's stretching you, it is initiating movement at the spinal level. And that Mm. movement helps neutrify the disc. So it helps stretch the disc out and that lets more fluid come into it. So it's kind of like refilling your cushion, the cushions Mm. between your spine. And a lot of times we've, if we become compressed or if there's a disc injury where the disc is compressed, mm-hmm. it's going to cause a low back pain presentation. Got it. And the flexion distraction table can open up that disc space. Yes. And it's fun to lay on. Oh, you get to so go fun. up and down and it feels so good. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a great way to help traction your spine. Uh-huh. And it helps. I can use it to stretch people better. And so that's what I love about it is I can get a better stretch and I can feel their spine moving while they're on the table. And so then I can be more specific because I can actually feel where the restrictions are just by feeling their spine while they're on the table. I've seen people hobble in, hunched over to your office, get off that table and can walk and stand straight. Like it really, flexion distraction is pretty powerful for sciatica and low back pain. Extremely powerful, especially people that have disc injuries or have a chronic disc injury that they've had in the past and it flares up. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, 
Like so. I have someone yesterday who came in, had a back injury, and within one treatment, she's like, I can move today. And <laughs> it's great to give people that movement, the ability to move. Yeah, that's something you take for granted if you haven't had that kind of injury. And with the opiates or any pain medication, they don't feel the pain, right? And we look at pain from the perspective in our field as a good thing. It's a signal from the brain that something's going wrong with the body and you need to stop what you're doing and change your movement, your lifestyle, your habits, something, right? So if you just mask that pain, yeah, you can move through the pain, but you might be causing further damage to the disc, to the body, to the ligaments, to the fascia, to the muscles. Yeah, the opiate crisis is real, and I think a lot of people are afraid of it. They're seeking alternative options. I think so, too. People are understanding that it's not fixing it, and they're left with addictions sometimes. And these addictions are hard to get off of. It's similar to coming off of an antidepressant or even... Mm. um, even hard drugs where you feel like withdrawals, you're getting withdrawal symptoms and it's painful to go through. And a lot of people don't want to go through that just it, just to add on to the pain of their back. And I think it contributes to a lot of suicides because people have this pain that they don't know how to deal with. They're dealing with it every day. They don't know how to to do anything about it and they don't see any hope of it ever letting mm. up. And so that's that's the other part that's really sad about some of this stuff. Having having been there yourself, what would you tell somebody? What advice would you give to somebody who's in that situation, who's had an injury in their neck or their back? They feel like there's no other option. They're on opiates. It's affecting their brain chemistry. Man. Well, Uh, What I'm so thankful that someone told me was that there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes you have to push through some darkness and some pain temporarily to get to the end. And there are people around you that are here to support you. And that's definitely, there are a lot of resources now for people to get support. And you've got to reach out and go for it and try something. If you've never tried it before, it's worth trying because it's better than the alternative. You're talking about trying like other modalities or other trying things. modalities, trying alternative healthcare modalities as opposed to just um, ending it all basically. Yeah. So trying some of this fascial work or flexion distraction or something else that that could help the pain receptors, that can help rebuild the injury. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of really cool stuff out with science now about with stem cells. Mm. And that's not something we do in our office, but I've had patients that yeah. had great results with stem cell therapy, and regenerative medicine is on the cusp of doing some incredible things for pain management and for people with severe disabilities. Um, and so I'm pretty excited to see what happens there. Um, I think that's good advice. Just look, keep going, and seek other alternative things. People, are, I think, are afraid of alternative medicine sometimes, or they think that it's, I don't know, not real or not going to work. And you're seeing people get off medications and, and heal and get well. There are other alternatives to treating back pain other than just suffering through chiropractic 
has saved my life in many ways. And if I had not tried chiropractic when I was 16 and I decided to end my life when I was 16 because I was depressed, I was hooked on opiates, I was in a lot of pain every single day, then I can't imagine all the people that you wouldn't have been able to help and all the animals that are walking through our doors that, not the animals walking through the doors, but all the people (laughs) walking through the doors that are getting their life back. Thank goodness you found these alternative healing methods. And yeah, it's powerful for me and it can help so many people, at least even if it cannot completely eliminate Everything in one treatment, which is very rare to see, Mm. we can use all the tools to manage it and to get it under control to where you can live a full life. And so people that have disabilities have pushed through a lot of things to be the people they are. And all of us have our struggles. And it's one of those things where, like, you've got to push through and seek other alternatives. And so because they're out there and they can work. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to be dependent on, on, yeah, those things that can mess up your brain chemistry. Um, I love your passion for that. It's, it's palpable. So thank you for sharing your personal, personal story. Yeah, I think that that's my why of why I do what I do every day because I don't want other people to live in pain. I don't want people or animals to lose their life because mm. they're in pain. Yeah. Like, either just the fullness of their life or their actual life. And so that's a huge reason why I do what I do. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here and spending time with us and giving us all of this good information, all these different options to try for people. If you had to leave people with just a piece of advice, a little tip or a thought on neck injuries, back injuries, going further to find solutions, what would you say to our audience? Uh, As soon as you experience a neck or back injury, go straight to your chiropractor's office. (laughs) As soon as it happens, just call them, say, hey, this happened, and they will get you in and they will take care of you. No need to suffer. Don't suffer. Just go. And the sooner the better, right? Because the the body will respond. Hmm. Yeah, the sooner the better. The body will respond quicker that it gets back realigned. Yes. Yeah. Sooner the better. Before inflammation sets in, get in there, get it fixed. You'll prevent yourself a lot of problems. Just go. Go to the chiropractor. Let and them I, fix you. And I think you addressed the fear that some people have of chiropractic um, by saying there's so many gentle options and different modalities. So that's another thought. Do your research. Find somebody who works with myofascial release techniques or work works with the activator, which is gentle. Any thoughts on, on that and how to pick a chiropractor if you are afraid? I love that. So I always tell people to look online, look at people's reviews, look at their website. If you feel drawn to them, if you feel aligned mm. with that chiropractor, go to them. If you don't feel aligned to someone or you see them and you don't don't feel like it's connecting, and then it's it's okay to seek alternatives. Yeah, that's good advice too. So yeah, you got to find someone that works well with you, someone that you like. If you don't like your chiropractor, there's (laughs) someone out there that that you will like and that will like you. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, 
It's not like dating. I'm trying to like. <laughs> it's not like dating where you like. But you don't like them, go to someone else. But um. you know, I've I've heard chiropractic described before as a dance. Like you get to know how their joints and their body need to be moved and adjusted and aligned, and they get to feel and understand how you do that. And so you have to have a good rapport there physically with with the adjustment. And everyone's bodies are different, and some people's bodies are easier for me to adjust than others. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to tailor your technique to help different people, or some people need need one technique mm-hmm. that I may know how to do that another chiropractor doesn't know how to do, or vice versa. So you just have to go with the technique that works best for your body. And there are safe and gentle techniques. I mean, we in our office, you see newborn babies. Oh, so yeah. you can be totally gentle, so there's no fear. Yeah, yeah. no fear needed. Um, chiropractors are educated and take the same board exams that everybody that's a medical practitioner does. We take four mm-hmm. parts of the boards, and so it's, it's, it's better a good than, vetting system, I would say. It's better than some of the alternatives out there. Yeah. Well, Dr. Massey, thank you so much for being here, and thank you for sharing your expertise and knowledge and all the information about humans and animals that can benefit from their injuries using chiropractic care and fascial work, and we just so appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Great. And thank you for tuning into the Wellness Plus podcast. We'll see you next time. The Wellness Plus Podcast, copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.